Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. It is our third and final week of our study of the book of Ecclesiastes. Guys, we have a good guest for you this week. A She Reads Truth podcast alum, Kelly Minter, who was with us for two episodes in our Genesis study. Kelly is a Bible teacher. She is an author, a singer-songwriter, and recently now a seminary student. She's a great friend of ours, Nashville local. And man, you could just plug her into just about any book of the Bible, and she will dig into it, love it, and have a lot of good things to say. And that was the case for this episode. Let's get right to it. You know when you're listening to things and then you hear them back again and you remember where you were when you heard it? Yes. So today I was re-listening to this week of passages and I heard better a living dog than a dead lion. And like as I was pulling into my neighborhood, it was like the thing that stuck with me to a point where I feel like it's like the thing that every time I pull into the neighborhood, I'm going to be like, well, who needs a dead lion? (laughs) You're just going to remember that every time. And it's a little bit of a slide on dogs. Did you catch that? Yeah. I felt like, you know, just a little Mm -hmm. bit. Lions are going to be stronger, more powerful mm-hmm. in that culture, I suppose. Kelly, have you gotten a quarantine dog? Oh, heavens no. So many people have gotten quarantine dogs. I have some quarantine dog regret. I mean, we got her before quarantine, but... No, I hate... We had a puppy you know, in quarantine. I'm that person, like, I do not like to be licked. <laughs> I do not like fur yeah. shedding. Thing. Yeah. I do not it's want something fair. in my house that's sniffing poop yeah. and behinds and stuff. Yeah, I just, no struggle mm-hmm. with that. So struggle I mean, to find that cute. Yes. Yeah. And I feel so bad because I do love God's creation and I love pets and stuff. I just don't like that necessarily in my house. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a I don't like a lot of barking. So yeah. So speaking of quarantine, I want to ask you a question, Kelly. Yes. You were saying as we were starting to roll that you are going to be sad. Like you are sad about the lifting as things lift as the travel kind of mm-hmm. resumes and all of that, that that's going to be hard for you. Yes. And we agree. And so I want to hear from you from a single person in quarantine, because a lot of people are like, oh, it was just so good to be with my family and I'm going to mm-hmm. miss that or whatever, or hard to be with mm-hmm. all the things. Talk to me about your, um, what was your plan? Like, what did you do? Well, uh, did you quarantine with someone? Oh, oh, okay. That plan. That's what I was trying to yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have... I was telling Sarah, we, I've got three friends within walking distance from me, and they're the closest people in my life. So they would be like my family. Yeah. You know? And so we kind of at the top of it just decided, okay, here's what we'll do. Like we'll kind of quarantine together. Mm-hmm. But we didn't we didn't really pop around to each other's houses. My friend has this beautiful screen porch, and we kind of would just congregate there for dinner every pretty much every night. So we have done some exquisite cooking. I will say we've had some incredible meals. I believe it. My brother and his wife and three kids live really close by, and I've done a lot of outdoor stuff with them. That's been the hardest piece Mm -hmm. is not being being able to be as physical or as close with the kiddos, although I had not seen them for like a month and was really weighing on me. And we had a bad storm in Nashville and it wiped out a ton of people's electricity. And so I had this enormous reversal of fortunes where my brother, his wife, and all three kids like show up with everything in their freezer and their refrigerator hmm. and move into my house because they lost <gasps> electricity. So I went from like not being able to touch them to lilies in my bathtub. The other kids yes. are like in a pack and play at the foot of the bed. I mean, it was 
fabulous. And it was just so funny that that all changed. But yeah, I've had a lot of reflection time because I would say for the last 15 years, I have just been living sort of deadline or event yeah. to event to deadline. And I would always have like, well, in eight days, well, in two weeks, well, in three days, mm-hmm. I have this, that. So this has been very rejuvenating mm-hmm. for me. And of course, I would never have wanted it at this expense. No, I mean, I just sure. want to be really clear there. I, yeah. It, but it's just in light of all that's happened, that would just be one of the the benefits, yeah. you know, yeah. and yet at the same time, I would never have wanted it at the expense because so many people are suffering in incredible ways. But yeah, being single, it has definitely revealed more of my singleness. Yeah. And I think that that it didn't cause me, I don't think any additional pain, but it pulled back a curtain of, I don't have a family to quarantine with. And that was something that you saw a lot on social media. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's our team. We're here together. Here we are in our masks and we're hunkering down together. And it's this wonderful thing. And that did hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting that I'm like, wow, I don't have that. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for the community and the family that I have. But at the end of the day, yeah. I was by myself. Yeah. And that's not new information. That's always the case. But it exposed that to a greater deal. So I did find myself a little more sad, a little more melancholy when we talked about, yeah. which is probably why I needed just a good rom-com like yeah. every <laughs> other night or something. But Yeah. Well, and that's what this, I feel like that's what this book has done mm-hmm. in reading Ecclesiastes is it's like it's pulling back the curtain mm-hmm. on the things we think we know about our lives mm-hmm. and the things we love and value and saying like, but do you do you really know what the substance of this is? And, you know, just to look at the way we live, I mean, down to the very basics of how we get the food that we eat. Yes. And, you know, just the really, chain. yeah, just to really pull back the curtain on so many things, hit the brakes and be forced to assess what it all means. Mm-hmm. And so it has felt in so many ways that this book, I mean, I I know it's God's truth, and so it's eternal truth, and it's always been true, and it will be true, you know, Mm -hmm. decades and generations from now, but it feels like it was written for such a time Mm -hmm. as this. Yeah. Because we talk a lot about, like, the meaning threads that we have in our lives, and if you just keep tugging, which Solomon does, he aggressively Mm -hmm. tugs on all of the meaning threads in his life. And, you know, wisdom and work and wealth, and they all unravel. Mm-hmm. All of them. Even right. families. Yes. I mean, our families unravel. Mm-hmm. And even even families that don't unravel here, like, just by virtue of our sheer mortality, mm-hmm. yeah. they unravel. Mm-hmm. And it's temporary. Yeah, it's temporary. And I do agree with you that this is so timely because as much as we say that well, we're living for eternity, and we're living for the things of the Lord, and we're followers of Christ, and we're not building our big barns here, storing our stuff in barns or whatever the passage is. We kind of have this dual thing going. We think, mm-hmm. well, you know, if I'm a good Christian, and I think God's going to make my life better, and and we kind of have this false construct on some level. Not that He doesn't do great things in our hearts and lives, but all that said is, I think that Whereas even just a few months ago, we might have gone like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, life is meaningless, whatever. But now we're really in a situation to hear this book because we're watching 
we're watching what we had in the stock market just poof. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. I look at the thing and I'm like, wait, what? What? Just, <laughs> what? Where did that go? <laughs> and, and so quickly. And so quickly. And we're seeing job losses and we're seeing health deficiency and we're seeing separations. And I think we're in a place to hear mm-hmm. what Solomon has to say to us, yeah. what the word of God has to say to us in a way that we may not have been. Mm-hmm. When the malls were bustling, right? And yeah. The economy was thriving, and we have a common reference point that we didn't have before. Yes, to talk about these things and to wrestle with them. Mm-hmm. None of us are exempt from what this book has to say, but now we can't even pretend to be exempt. I think sometimes we like to pretend that we're exempt, right. or just ignore it, but there's no ignoring this. Right. Well, and I think he talks about too, it's interesting. He talks about the difference between wisdom and kind of like political power. Yes. And he talks about, this is in chapter nine, but he, in verse 14, it says there was a small city with few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And then later it says, but wisdom is better than strength. And it's interesting because don't you guys find right now that in our political government, we all are like, okay, who is the wise, sane voice? We want a wise voice because we're desperate. Yeah. But as soon as we get back to normal, we stop caring about wisdom. We just, it all goes back to political and, and, and yes, and money and power. And I think that that's what the teacher is telling us here is he's dividing this for us and saying wisdom is so important. It's so much better, but bummer, we don't really value it like we should. Right. And I don't know that that gets fixed or that that changes, but he kind of brings that out for us. And I just thought that that was really interesting. In that same passage in verse 18, where it says, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. Mm. That line just stopped me in my tracks. Yes. One sinner can destroy much good. And I thought, I mean, that is just so representative of the whole problem. Sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sin is the root of all of this meaninglessness. Yes. You know, sin and death because of sin that, you know, the world this world that we're talking about, the context, the under the sun context mm-hmm. that Solomon, the teacher, is speaking from and that we are reading within, you know, mm-hmm. we live in that same world, it is heavy with the weight of sin yes. and the curse. Yes. And to remember that, you know, Jesus, that's why Jesus came. Mm-hmm. You were talking about New Testament lens earlier before we hit record. And just to remember that that is why Jesus came to reverse the curse, far as the curse is found. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it is found everywhere. The curse right now is pervasive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what in the very next verse at the top of 10, it ties right in. He says, the dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And so he's drawing right from what you just said, that one sinner can destroy much good. You have this beautiful ointment, this beautiful perfume, and all it takes is just a few little flies in it and ruins the whole thing. Listen, fruit flies right now, I am waging a war against fruit flies in my kitchen right now. This time of year, I love it so much, but then the ants, the sugar ants, and the fruit flies just come after my kitchen and it... Just ruin it. 
it can legitimately, I don't know what this says about me as a human and about my character. It can ruin my day. Well, it just means like, you just ruined this perfectly good glass it, of tea or it whatever. It just means that you're in line with Ecclesiastes 10.1. That's, That's really all you have to do. It's very yeah. biblical. Just let My me anger. free you up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I would love to know what you guys think about this section. This was something that grabbed me when I was reading this, but chapter 8, verse 11, where he says, because the sentence against an evil act is not carried out quickly, the mm-hmm. heart of people is filled with the desire to commit evil. Basically, this idea that sinners can sin, yeah. and it doesn't catch up for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And as a result... We look around and we go, well, okay, heck, if I'm going to prosper while I sin, and if I'm going to enjoy that pleasure, and if nothing's going to be exacted against me, then I'm I'm all in for this. And this really struck me because I was having a conversation with a friend a couple nights ago, and she is divorced. She has not remarried after many, many years. She's never been remarried, desperately wants to be. Mm-hmm. And her ex-husband totally turned his life around, like he had cheated on her, and it was awful, and he gets married and they love the Lord and he's helping raise the stepkids. And, you know, we were, we were talking that through the other day and going, okay, you know, how do we reconcile that? And when I read this section, it's a little different because he's not talking about repentance here and everything, but it did make me think about just all those injustices in life and how sometimes real wickedness and really bad things happen. And that, judgment and justice that we want so desperately doesn't happen immediately. But then he in faith, Solomon in faith, says at the bottom half of verse 12, he says, I also know that it will go well with God-fearing people, for they are reverent before him. And that is a statement of faith. He gives no, Mm -hmm. when I was reading, studying this, he gives no reason for why he thinks that, but he just knows in his heart and probably knows from the book of the law that he would have known that God is in charge and one day there will be a reckoning. Mm-hmm. But it we really want it now. And we yeah. really do. And we're poised to want it now in American culture. I mean, I just think we are you know, we just yeah. we want justice and we want things fixed and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That connects to later in chapter nine, kind of the same sentiment, starting in verse eleven. It says, again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong Mm -hmm. or bread to the wise or riches to the discerning or favor to the skillful. Rather, time and chance happen to all of them. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, man, that's frustrating. (laughs) Right. And that's exactly what you're just talking about. And it reminded me. I believe it's Kushner, the why bad things happen to good people. Mm -hmm. Why do bad things happen to good people? And, you know, and I always think of C.S. Lewis, his problem of pain is sort of, you know, the response to that. Yes. And I don't know that they were written in that order, but, (laughs) but, you know, in my mind and in my heart, that's kind of part of the response to that. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why don't good things, like, why don't the good things happen yes. to the good people? And all of these things, and it's so frustrating. And it reminds me, too, of so much of this week's reading in particular. To me, I heard echoes of Job. Yeah. Because yeah, we studied Job back in... About a year ago? See, we studied Job back, yeah, a year ago. It was in February mm-hmm. of 2019. And... So much of this we want to understand. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there is a point, and when we're studying Job, that 
and I say we, and I feel like we as the She Reads Truth community sort of came to a point where we talked about wanting that the answer is not always an explanation, but it's the person. Yes. You know, that Jesus is the answer. Yes. Not in the cliche way, but like, really. Yes. He, the person of Christ, mm-hmm. is the answer mm-hmm. to this. His life, death, and resurrection are the answer to these centuries-long struggles and mm-hmm. things that we so desire to understand. And that we can know, you were just talking about knowing, that I think we can know through the grace of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like I think that God gives us the gift of knowing something, sometimes without fully understanding. Right. And that gift mm-hmm. of faith. And we see God's sovereignty in all of this. And it's hard because we don't, I don't know how everybody else feels, but sometimes I don't like yeah. Yeah. His sovereignty because I don't <laughs> understand it and I can't make sense of it. But like you said, when we put it up against the backdrop of Jesus Christ and His goodness and His sacrifice and His death and His resurrection, then all of a sudden that sovereignty is something, I think it was Spurgeon, I think, who said that something to the effect of that sovereignty is the pillow upon which he can lay his head down every night. Um, oh, I love that. Butchering that ever that. so slightly, but yeah. uh, it's somewhere, and I think it's him. You know, Spurgeon. You and your beard. Here's the thing. That's maybe not exactly the quote, and maybe not exactly even him. Maybe it was someone else, <laughs> but we can we can Google it. It'll pop right Spurgeon up. Spurgeon adjacent it, yeah. Exactly, yes. But it's that idea of- But the idea, that's beautiful. Because the re- And what I kind of like about what he's saying, though, what Solomon is saying, is that- He's unraveling and uncovering for us everything that we already know, mm-hmm. but we don't want to admit it. Yeah. We want it to be different mm-hmm. than it is. Just like this quarantine has unraveled or revealed to us everything we kind of already know that is true about our shortcomings and boy, does our it limitations. Just, and our limitations, and it just kind of puts a megaphone on them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we certainly know the fact of our mortality is not a secret. Right, but we right. live as if that is not true. I often oh, live as if that is not a fact of my life. How do you say 100%? <laughs> well, just like you did just then. No, how do you say it? <laughs> Earlier, I might have said Hundo P. Hundo P, Amanda. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up with the kids. I'm too old to be saying Hundo P. No, I think but, that any, my response to that is Hundo P, Amanda. We are Hundo P, <laughs> all going to die. And speaking of this book, this I'm talking about the book of Ecclesiastes, but I'm specifically talking about this study book. It is so beautiful, and it is such a gift. <laughs> Thank you, She Reads Truth team, for making this yeah. so oh, beautiful. It is stunning. Mm-hmm. Because it really helped Honestly, in reading these tough words, you know, mm. from like the book that is the Eeyore of the <laughs> Old Testament. I mean, the beauty of the images was just... Is that in the uh, She Reads Truth Bible intro? This book is the Eeyore, the Eeyore of the Old Testament. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. It is now. Yeah. But there is an extra in this, and we call extras or what we call just extra features that we put into the study book to help explain or just dig deeper into a concept or into something that the book reveals. Like if there's something in the book that you think, I want to know more about that. So, and it's on page 80 in the study book if you have it, but it's an extra called Hope Even in Death. And I love that just right in the middle of this last week of this book, where, you know, our mortality and dust to dust, like this is just front and center. We have this extra that tells us all of the reasons that the Christian has hope, even in the face of certain 
death. Certain death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he says so many times in here, we all expire. That's Every right. single one of us has an expiration date. And moreover, none of us knows what it is. Right. Right. Great. But in order, so. I think in order to appreciate the New Testament promises and truths, because this is so good to have this hope even in death, because we need this chapter in the book. But in order to really appreciate that, we have to sit in a book like Ecclesiastes to yes. remind mm-hmm. us of the reality. I think sometimes yeah. we just jump to, oh, but Jesus, you know. Yeah. Yes, but this is hard. Yeah. And it doesn't always make sense. And there's a lot that we can't figure out. And I think that I was saying to Amanda earlier that as I was reading this, I kept reading it in light of the New Testament. I kept thinking about popping to New Testament yeah. verses, you know, like where he was just like, everything's meaningless and it doesn't matter what you do or if, like if you do good or you don't do good, it's the wicked are blessed and the the righteous, righteous are, are can, whatever, you know, pun, it's just nothing works out the way it should. And then I'm like, oh, wait, Hebrews 6.10, God is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. Like yeah. I kept having those little things that would jump or, you know, hey, everything's meaningless. We're all dying. We're all on our way down. And then I'm like, wait, 2 Corinthians 4.16, our outward person is wasting away, but the inner person yeah. is being renewed day by day. So Say I, I kept thinking about these New Testament passages, but... There was part of me that goes, yeah, but just sit in this for a minute. Because think about what the teacher, where he was all these years before Christ, still a believer in God, the one true God, aware of the law, you know, but struggling with reality. And it makes the good news of the gospel brighter, which I love. So I'm so glad that the hope even in death is here in the book and that we point to those places there's a temptation, though, with Ecclesiastes to almost cancel it with the New Testament, yes. with other like other right. places of Scripture, or to apologize for it, or to make accommodation for it, but instead to go, no, we look at this book, and we trust and believe mm-hmm. that it is here for our instruction, and then we read it in the setting of the whole of Scripture, yes. and we get this bigger, richer picture of everything. So we do both, but in doing that, we're not trying to apologize or cancel this book exactly. and, and what this book is saying. Yes. Because it too is the wisdom of God. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's and wisdom for life. I mean, yes. that's the other thing. Yeah. We were talking earlier that I have a professor right now that I'm I'm taking Kingdom of Israel and its prophets. So it's a real, really something. <laughs> but anyway, his name is Dr. Knut Heim, K-N-U-T, and he wrote a commentary on Ecclesiastes. He's German. And he was in his class... Teaching. I want to go to school. That oh, sounds so fun. Well, it is sometimes, and then and then it's not, and then it's like, wait, I'm sorry, why am I paying to put myself through this right. torture? You know, tests and papers and things. But he was talking about yesterday how he believes that the Old Testament is the new New Testament, and I'm like, wait, what? what? I can't get my head around that. And <laughs> I'm going to need a diagram, of course, right? Exactly. But he basically was saying that the New Testament writers believed that Jesus was coming back imminently; that he was coming back very soon. So a lot of the New Testament is about eschatology. It's about heaven. It's about you know, just man, he's coming back. So just give it all you got for heaven, and that's right. And there's nothing to take away from. But he's like the Old Testament. They didn't have that Messiah's coming in imminently. He's like, they were living in just the hardness of life. And he said, so in some ways, he feels like the Old Testament sometimes speaks actually even more practically to the here and now than even the New Testament does, if that makes sense. I'm not saying that I even agree. I'm just saying it was a really interesting interesting perspective. Yeah, And it brings me to, if we were allowed to jump this far up, but 
into chapter 11, verse 6. I like the asking yeah. the permission. Ellie did that too, do, and I was like, like Ellie, that? anything that's in the Bible is fair game. Well, Just go. See, you yeah. know, I'm very structured, very linear, so I'm really afraid to break I mean, we could probably stand to be more structured. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're doing no, great. This is great. But in chapter 11, yeah. verse 6, uh, he says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. And it was probably 25 years ago. This verse is one of the reasons why I'm sitting here with you guys today in Nashville, Tennessee, because I was up in Virginia. It might have even been longer than 25 years ago. And I really wanted to pursue a career in music. And there were all these opportunities for me to write songs and get my music out there. And I was not I was praying. I was, Lord, do I make this contact? Do I try to do this route? Do I you know, write with this person? And I came across this verse. Really? And instead of like the Holy Spirit saying, this is the path you should take, you know, <laughs> yes. this is, go make this phone call. Is go that the have Holy this Spirit's meeting. voice? Well, that, that, yes. I like that. that is exactly. <laughs> you know, so it just, in Holy case, Ghost, it yeah, sounded like. He's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I could do one of these voices in a movie we were See, talking about. you are voiceover. Very strong. But anyway, so, but instead of having this like clear, like the angel appeared to me and told me exactly, I came across this and it was like the Lord was like, throw that seat out, throw that yeah. seat out, and throw that seat out. You yeah. don't know what it's going to do. And, and you're so, not in charge of that. You diversified. Nope. Yeah. So basically, he's like, you don't know which one's going to succeed, whether it's going to be that one or the other. And now I garden, so I really have a visual for this yeah. because I throw seeds out all the time. And you don't. You don't know is that one going to turn into a really healthy head of lettuce, and or am I never going to see that seed again because the squirrel's going to get it or right. whatever? But the point is, is that that verse was what made me do everything that I knew to do and pursue every possible contact or whatever with my songs because this yeah. because Solomon told me you don't know yeah yeah and the Lord's going to make it basically grow anyway and as a result there and then some, at night you um, laid crazy, on the pillow of sovereignty and then I did see there and we go <laughs> so perfect. And but really, no, but that's yes, yes, and that's exactly, and you just trust it, and it was amazing. And there was a really unexpected thing that happened as a result because one of those seeds took and it got me to Nashville and it got me at a record deal. Now, God's sovereign, right? Right, and then my whole music career fell apart. We talked about that last time, and now I'm a Bible study teacher, writer. So, but you're here. And God's still sovereign. But I'm here, and God's sovereign. Yeah. Yeah. And he's good. But but all that said is, here is this really practical life proverb that's sitting here that I will never forget. And I've got it starred in my Bible because it was so meaningful and such a turning point for me. And to look at that verse through the lens, we talk about having the dual lenses, right? Of looking through the lens of life under the sun and looking through the lens of life in the kingdom. And if you look at that through the lens of life under the sun, it feels so frustrating is still a word that comes to mind. It Futile. Like, I don't know why I even sow seeds at all if I have no control over which ones grow. And if right. I have no control over when they die and, you know, what's even the point. But when you look through a kingdom lens mm-hmm. and you see that I am participating in something that God is doing mm-hmm. and that He is sovereign and that He is present and that he's the one who brings life. He's the one who gives and mm-hmm. takes away. Yes. And then, I like that by the end of the book, you're not just participating, but you're also supposed to be enjoying. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that it's really easy. I found it ironic, actually, when you get to day 18, and the title we chose for that day for Ecclesiastes 11 comes from the CSB text and the heading in the CSB text, but it's invest in life. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's ironic, (laughs) because we've just spent 17 other days talking about how it's meaningless, you know, that life under the sun... But even this life under the sun has meaning through the kingdom lens. In the kingdom of God, even all of these threads that eventually unravel, but even that. And so it really, the spiritual bifocals metaphor has really served us well through reading Mm -hmm. this. And it serves me well when I'm looking not at the text, but just around me. And in this time that we're living in and thinking, okay, this really feels like a lose-lose mm-hmm. right now if I just look through my fallen human lens in this yes. fallen world. But God, mm-hmm. it just turns every... It's just like the gospel. turns everything on its head. It's like, well, we oh, know He redeems. He redeems. He's making everything new. Yes. And Solomon doesn't live there too much Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that it makes the redemption that much more beautiful because we have to deal with the reality that we live in. And I think for us, that where it is a hard time right now for so many, I think that we might be a little bit more apt to listen to mm-hmm. this, like we talked about, because Solomon's not glossing over this. No, he's, he's not. you know, he's talking, but I loved. What we were talking about how you said that some people might just be like, well, then just forget it. I mean, if yeah. we don't know what seed's going to take, like, just forget it. But just a few verses later, I mean, it's just two verses later, in verse 9, he says, Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes. So basically, go for it. But then he says, but know yeah. that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. And at first, that can feel like, well, that's a real bummer, you know. <laughs> but I think what I find encouraging about that is he's kind of going back on his on his messaging a little bit and saying, "Listen, as meaningless as it all feels, just by the way, just know there's a judge. He is not missing this. He's not missing the wicked prospering. He's not missing the folly. He's not there's a judge that will stand at the end of this." And then of course you get to the New Testament and you find out that who is that judge? Jesus, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But again, not to jump there too quickly, but I liked there's a freedom in that section, a freedom to toss here, a freedom to toss there, as long as you always have at the forefront that you're walking in the ways of the Lord. And he basically, he goes straight from there into that first verse of chapter 12. So remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I, just having little nieces and nephews and you guys having children of your own, I am more and more passionate about the kids in our lives yes. knowing their creator because essentially when I was just kind of studying this, there was I think it was one of the commentators was saying that when you're a child, when you're in your youth, when Solomon says, remember your creator, what he's basically saying is while you're in your youth, learn what it means to walk in the goodness and in obedience and in the ways of the Lord, because that is what is going to cause you to flourish. Mm -hmm. And we only get that, I mean, we have that chance our whole life, but there's something special about being in our youth and having the Creator God before our eyes 
And it was like, how do I do that for the kids in my life? How do yeah. I help them do that? Because you're going to be tempted to live for all of these things that I'm going to tell you how they're going to fail you. Like you're going to be tempted to live for all of these. Yes. And it doesn't mean that these things won't be a part of your story, that you won't work, that you won't need money to mm-hmm. buy things, that you won't, you know, that you won't have possessions and right. things that matter, but you don't live for those things. Right. Yes. And those are just part of, mm-hmm. those are part of life and even enjoy those things. Yes. Yeah. But it is such a perspective check. So I love to, in chapter 12, when we get to verse 8, how he directly repeats what he says in chapter 1, yeah. verse 2. Mm-hmm. Absolute futility, says mm-hmm. the teacher. Everything is futile. So he starts with a thesis, yes. and then he proves it, <laughs> yep. and then he comes back and right. says, no, I was right. It's yeah. all it's all futile. And then we get... We get the conclusion. Yes. Bless our hearts. I mean, two weeks ago, I said to the it. listeners, don't just read week one. Like, no. hold out and get to the end of this. They're, like, we need this conclusion. You, we, I told Amanda, you were upstairs, and I said, listen, this whole book I would not be able to handle if it wasn't for those <laughs> last few verses. <laughs> because this, everything changes on these last few yeah. verses, at least for me. Okay, who's it's reading true. it? And even the nugget, even before we get to the last few verses, that little nugget at the end of verse 11, the sayings are given by one shepherd. Capitalist yeah. shepherd. I was like, thank you for the shepherd imagery. Yes. I needed it in there. Absolutely. Um, Rachel, read it for us. Verse 12 yeah. from chapter 12. But beyond these, my son, be warned. There is no end to the making of many books, and much study wearies the body. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> but there we go. The conclusion of the matter is actually not that everything is futile. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. Isn't that amazing? The conclusion of the matter. And it's not even everyone's got an expiration date. No. Those are true things. Right. Or that the wicked... But where do you land with your wrestling? Fear God and keep His commands. Yes. And this, to me, is echoed in John 14, 15. Because as soon as I read this, I was my mind went to John 14. Because in verse 15, he, Jesus says, If you love me, mm-hmm. you will obey me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is probably a life verse for me, especially as a single woman. Because <laughs> there's lots of areas where you have to be obedient. And mm-hmm. And we all have those areas. It doesn't really matter. But that idea that we can love Jesus, but just not really do what he says, mm-hmm. is it's not what he says. No. It's not what he tells us. And he says it over and over. If you love me, you will obey me. First John talks about, if you love God, you will obey him over and over. Yeah. And that is echoes mm-hmm. Solomon here, who says to fear God and keep his commands. And then I love where it says, for this is all of humanity. And The New American Commentary, the author of that, says his kind of summary of this is, we will live most holy when we obey God, W-H-O-L-L-Y. We will live most holy Uh, when we obey God. Basically, to be human, to live the most fully in this life, and to be the most human is to walk in the ways of the Creator and to walk in the ways of the Savior. So to me... The whole book gets saved in, yeah. this, in these final verses. It's just this, it is technically like a call to action, like fear God and keep His commands, but it's also this 
declaration of authority of yes. just saying, yes. like, I can gain all the wisdom, I can gain all the wealth, I can do, I can do, me, me, me. But I'm putting all of that aside, and instead I'm acknowledging that God is the authority of the world and of me and of, of life. Yes. And so the only response when you acknowledge that the authority, the sovereignty is God's, is to keep His commands. Yes. And fear Him. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I think that that is a huge theme of this. I think Solomon is bringing us to our knees and showing us our limitations. We talked about it earlier, yeah. and we're seeing that. I mean, I think, I don't know about you guys, but just with work and the changes and income and how am I going to live and different things that are being affected right now. And there was a day about six weeks ago where I was in my kitchen, I'm doing the dishes and my mind's just swirling. And in my mind, I believe God is going to take care of me. I believe He's going to take care of what I do. And I believe that I'm going to, somehow it's going to work out. But physically, like my actual heart started skipping beats. Like Mm -hmm. it was like not beating. And I'm thinking, am I going to be one of those people that goes to the hospital in the middle of COVID? And I think I'm having a heart attack, but actually it's just a panic attack. You know, I mean, it was a physical reaction of everything that I kind of thought was really concrete and that I had and that was good and I was taken care of. All of that was just eroding yeah. From and you know we all know like you, all you have to do is just check the news out like every you know just everything is dissolving that yeah. we thought we had, and yet here I do think that underneath this whole book there's this firm foundation mm-hmm. of God, yeah, His sovereignty, His mm-hmm. control, and His judgment. And I don't think it's bad when we sometimes we think of God and His judgment and we mm-hmm. think, ah. but when you look at this text. We long for that judgment because we're furious yep. that the wicked are prospering and that the evil aren't getting their due justice. It's that and last that, verse. It's the it's yes. the, yeah. for God will bring every act of judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Yes. It's the answer to our like we feel injustice. Yeah. Like, feel like why it's going the, off the rails? Why do bad things happen to good people and vice yeah. versa and all the things? God will bring every act, good and evil, to judgment. Yes. And it's a statement of faith that he makes too, which is also interesting because pretty much everything else that he says, you can prove. The seeds, the old people and the grinding of the teeth and not being able to see as well. and You can prove all of that. We can see it's visible. like scientific observations. There we go. But every so often he makes kind of this faith statement Mm -hmm. that's 100% faith, but how beautiful Mm -hmm. the just will live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So there's something about faith that's going on here for us as well. Yeah. And that maybe would have unsettled me a few years ago, but I think I like it. But that's now. the thing, like Solomon is the wisest guy, right? Maybe it's like chapter three or five, I can't remember which I think it's five, um, where he talks about like I've gained all the knowledge. Like I've learned and learned and learned and learned some more. And I can't really rely on my knowledge anymore. And this guy who is not only smart but wise is making statements mm-hmm. of faith mm-hmm. that have to be and wealthy. Faith. Yeah. Let's not forget that he was wealthy and powerful. Right. Because we do kind of in the back, at least I do, it's in the back of my head, I think, well, if you've got all that, surely you can figure it out. And we're seeing the smartest and the brightest and the wealthiest and the most powerful on their knees Mm -hmm. over a virus that we can't get our head around or our hands around. So I think it's fascinating, really. And I think you guys are right. I think this is so timely. This She Reads Truth book is... Not just beautiful, but it really, like you said, it gives you the visuals and it helps you. I think it's just perfect for where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, well, let's jump right to beauty, goodness, and truth, guys. I hate to roll out of Ecclesiastes that fast, yeah. but I want to hear out. from Kelly what she's got. This study has been just right. It's mm-hmm. been, the timing has, of course, been just right. We've talked about that, but it has shifted things in my heart. It has changed the way I see God. It has changed the way I see life. It has changed the way I live and count my days genuinely. Mm-hmm. These, these three weeks have made an enormous difference for me, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful for this study. I feel an affection for this book that I'd never felt before. Yeah. It was a sleeper for me. I told the team during devotions last Monday that I was like, I wasn't actually looking forward to Ecclesiastes that much, and I'm sorry to admit that, but... And now here we are. Yeah, you're yeah. not alone. I mean, we've heard that from throughout the community that everyone was like, I don't really want <laughs> Do we have to? Mom, do we have to? Yeah. But, you know, just it's God's word. It's amazing the books that we think we will enjoy the least for whatever reason are the ones like I remember going through Job and going through Jeremiah and Lent. It was just like, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I needed the whole of God's yes. word. It turns out we need. Yes. Right. And the same Holy Spirit, you know, who is... Voiced by um, Kelly Minter. (laughs) (laughs) Really bad. The role of the Holy Spirit will be played by... (laughs) Oh, we might have to edit that. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Don't you dare. All right, Kelly, we love to find what is beautiful, good, and true in Scripture, which turns out is all of it. All of it. But what are you seeing in your life? Mm. Where are you seeing beauty, goodness, and truth? I am seeing beauty, goodness, and truth in all the simple things, in cooking, in slow conversations, in people stopping by on the front porch, in being able to linger in my garden and watch what's going on back there, being able to spend more time on the phone with people. That, to me, I mean, probably I'm seeing in the midst of such hardship, again, I don't want to ignore that in any way but in the middle of all that with the slowing down yeah there's something so beautiful in fact it caught my attention not to put us back to ecclesiastes but that chapter 9 verse 7 go eat your bread with pleasure Mm -hmm. drink your wine with a cheerful heart for god has already accepted your works and it's sort of like i guess i feel like the new testament version of that is we're in christ our sins are forgiven we're in the community of believers we do have an eternal home so enjoy, mm-hmm. enjoy yeah. relationships, enjoy yeah. these good things that he has given us, even in the middle of such hardship. So I have actually- These under the sun things. Yes, yeah. yes, the under the sun things. And I've actually gotten to enjoy more of the under the sun things than I have in a really long time, because I think I was really a little too busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be a challenge for me to figure out how to keep the good, beautiful, and true under the sun yeah. when things- open back up a little bit more. Yeah. I appreciate the disclaimer of like, you know, not to ignore these really hard things, but I also, you know, think that it's those really hard things that demand that we enjoy, just like this book teaches, like Mm -hmm. that you enjoy the simple things Mm -hmm. because those of us who aren't in a really hard thing right now will be. Yes. Sometime. And those, the hard things don't leave. They kind of migrate, Yes, (laughs) you know, through among all of us, but as long as we're here under the sun, the hard things are here too. And yes. yeah, that's good. so much that's more good to, to lean in. And mm-hmm. so it is both, you mm-hmm. know, of yeah. acknowledging and ca- it, it, there's a tension there that mm-hmm. it's tough to walk. Mm-hmm. What about you, Amanda? 
You know, a few things come to mind. One is the peony from your mom's yard that's mm, sitting next that was to mine. Kelly. <laughs> we have a shared beauty, goodness, and truth. A stunner. Oh, that was yours? Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I stole it's it. It's so pretty. It's sitting over there. She brought it to my house, dropped it by from her yard. It's a big, giant it's pink peony bloom. Fluffy. Peonies beautiful. are a wonder to me. I mean, look at I've had like, it the at number my, of petals. Oh, I've had it at my desk this week, and I get distracted by it. In fact, in one Zoom meeting, you may have noticed, I pulled it into frame so the other people, in case they noticed, could also enjoy it. We're all awesome. in a very serious conversation, and Rachel just slowly <laughs> moving If flower. anybody notices my giant peony bloom. <laughs> it just so, and they start out so small, so like tight. the little round yeah. type place. Right, they do start out so small. The other thing I was thinking of is little boys on scooters in my driveway. My boys and we have broken down and we've begun to let them play with one neighbor. They are not allowed to touch. It's <laughs> <No>, almost <laughs> impossible, right? They are not allowed to go in one another's houses. And as soon as they come in, they know to go straight and wash their hands. No touching faces. But they have built out of just scrap wood, as boys do. We've, they've built scooter ramps in the driveway. And it's like it has taken two months of boredom for them to start really creating and being inventive and do the things that we did, you know, when we were kids. And so it's been really fun and sweet to just watch them and they're, you know, learning tricks and they're so proud. They're like, mom, watch this. And it's genuinely like, I'm not even being patronizing. Like they're really impressive. (laughs) I mean, I would hurt myself quickly. Yeah, it's that. It's the little things. It makes boys me think on of scooters. Yeah, it makes me right. think of the I am from. Like for your yeah. boys, it will be I am from scooter ramps in the driveway mm-hmm. and quarantine. Yeah. Like yeah. we're all from quarantine yes. at this yes. point. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, I love that. Well, so what we haven't told the listeners yet is what we have planned for them for the coming weeks. We are working on a series of mini episodes. How many mini episodes? Mini minis. Mini seven. M A N Y M I N I. Thanks for spelling <laughs> that for us. Hundred percent. Hundred hundo mini M I N I episodes. We've we've digressed. <laughs> we have a series of seven mini episodes that we are recording that will be in addition to the Women and Men in the New Testament series that's coming up. But we're going to just kind of take a little bit of time, maybe 20 minutes per week and talk to you guys about where Share Your Truth came from, like what we're doing, how a book is made, a bunch of little fun little episodes that we think are sort of answering some of your questions, but also just fun little peeks into what we do and the way we do them and why we do them. And we'll have lots of people from the team come on. So we're excited to be not just releasing these weekly episodes with the study on Mondays, but these little guys on Thursdays as well. So you will get your first of those though next Monday. Anyway, this has been splendid. Kelly is officially our Alec Baldwin. She is our, (laughs) she has the most returning guest points. Yeah, for Um, someone who's not, Paid to be not, here. Not paid to be here. Um, hey, I'm all about it. I love it. This is your third episode. I love it. You get the third timer award. Okay. I want to, now I'm going to have to really, I'm going to have to keep going with that. We need like stay enamel ahead. pins or something. Yeah. We'll yeah. work on it, Kelly. So, so the like question a is, truth plaque. Yes. Something, yes. So the question is, as a third timer, you should know the answer to this. Oh, no. <laughs> as we close our episodes, Kelly, what do we tell them? Read your Bible. Something. <laughs> it's close. What is it? It's so close. Oh. Amanda, what do we tell them? Oh, no. Keep opening your Bibles. Oh, sh- no. <laughs> it was very good. Keep you opening were- your Bibles. I 
Oh, I really so close. Failed. The heart of then, it was there. I, but then when they're open, read, read your read your Bible. <laughs> read your Bible. <laughs> it's got to be something about <laughs> Bibles. Those girls and their Bibles. <laughs> Keep opening your Bibles, All right, friends. Kelly, we will see them next week. But until then, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs>